Have you ever felt like God has forgotten about you? I know that seems like an odd question and, and really going deep fast kind of thing, but think about it. Have you ever felt that God has forgotten about you? Because I have, and I know that may seem like an odd thing to hear a pastor or someone in my position say, but just being honest with you, I, I have definitely felt that. And maybe you're thinking, well, now that you think, now that you mention it, kind of think of it, I, well, yeah, because there's this thing I'm just, I've been praying about and it hadn't changed or I've been wondering about and it's still the same and I'm wanting it to get fixed and it's still the same and a problem that I've still been dealing with and I've asked God, you know, and I've even stopped praying. I'm so sick of talking to God about it. I don't even pray about it anymore. I'm just so frustrated. Yeah, yeah, I actually think, yeah, I, I, I do feel at times or maybe even today that, you know, pretty much forgotten about by God. God must be helping somebody else or doing something else for somebody else, but not me. It's kind of a surprising feeling, an unexpected feeling. You don't expect to feel that way, at least initially. It's kind of an empty feeling, a heavy, hollow. It might even be frightening to think, wait, God, God's forgotten about me. That's a very real feeling. It's a very real thing to feel. However, I want you to know, and we're going to talk about this in the next few minutes, when you feel that God has forgotten you, things are not as they seem. There is a bigger picture. I want us to pick up where we left off last week. Last, last week we left off from Joseph's story where we found Joseph getting thrown into prison for something he did not do. He was accused of rape. He was not guilty. He was innocent, and he got thrown into prison anyway. And we pick up the story with a very important phrase that kind of sets the tone. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. But the Lord was with Joseph. We've seen that again. We've seen that before, and we will see it after this as well. It's just several times throughout the story, and the Lord was with Joseph. Now, if you're like me, and you didn't know anything about the story, and, and a lot of you know the story because you've been in church, or we've, you know, the kind of video kind of gives you the, the summary of it. But if this is new to you, or for the first time you're hearing the story, and you hear the phrase, the Lord was with Joseph in prison, you would expect or maybe assume that the next thing that's coming is... And because the Lord was with him, he got him out of prison and straightened everything out. The Lord was with Joseph, so he set the record straight and fixed everything. But that's not what happened. We'll talk about that. But it says the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love in prison. So in other words, there's a reason you're there, Joseph, and God wanted Joseph to discover some things there. And God wanted to do some things there that required him to be there in a place he didn't deserve to be, he didn't want to be, would have never chosen to be. All right, let's keep going. We'll come back to that. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. And before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. Okay, so... Joseph, once again, is maximizing the opportunity that's in front of him. I mean, he didn't want to be in prison. Who wants to go to prison? I mean, my goodness. I mean, and so he's there. 
But he's like, okay, well, you know, I might as well make, you know, lemonade out of lemons kind of thing. Or I'm not sure if there were lemons in Egypt, but you know what I mean. Make the most of the opportunity that's in front of me. And so he started using his leadership gifts and ability, and God honored that. And Warden said, okay, I'm going to, man, this is great. You make my job easy. So I'm going to put you in charge of these guys and have all these guys answer to you. Very interesting. He maximized the opportunity in front of him. He maximized his situation even though he didn't like his situation. We'll come back to this. Let me just set the table, though. He maximized his situation even though he didn't choose the situation. Now, meanwhile, back at the palace, there were two dudes that worked for Pharaoh that upset him pretty badly. So badly that he threw them in prison, the same prison that Joseph was in. Uh, One of them was the chief baker of Pharaoh. How cool would it be to have a baker? Wouldn't it be awesome to have a baker? I mean, someone whose sole existence is to find out what you want to eat and then to cook it for you. And if there is any dude in here thinking, well, that's why I married her. You are wrong and need Jesus, <laughs> right? There may be a woman that's thinking, well, that's why I married him, right? Because, you know, there's a long line of very good cooks that are men in my family, all right? So, baker. So, evidently, he did something to upset Pharaoh, and so Pharaoh's like, you're toast. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> I'm sorry, it's bad. It's been a long day. The other dude, chief cupbearer cupbearer. Now, it's an odd job. A cupbearer. You know what a cupbearer was? Cupbearer was someone whose whole job, their number one job description, was to taste whatever the Pharaoh was going to drink before the Pharaoh drank it. So in case there's poison in it, Pharaoh doesn't die, right? Wow, how would you like that for a job? I mean, your day either goes really well or really bad. It's like, you either have a great day at the office or you die. Because <laughs> evidently, that, you know, that kind of how people got at the, you know, high officials. Let's slip a little something, something in their drink and they kill over. And so uh, we learned our lesson. Now we're going to hire somebody and it's either you die or you're going to have a good day. Hey, how was work today, honey? Well, I made it home. So good day kind of thing. So evidently, he did something to upset Pharaoh. Pharaoh threw him in prison. So eventually... The baker, the cupbearer are in prison and are put under the leadership of Joseph, interestingly enough. And one day, one night rather, the baker and the cupbearer both had dreams and they didn't know what their dreams meant. So they started talking to people about their dreams and eventually they had a conversation with Joseph. And Joseph is like, hey, I got a knack for dreams, man. I, I, got, I got a history with dreams. I, I have a little hankering here for being able to understand dreams. So let me help you out with your dreams. Tell me your dreams. They told him his dreams and, and Joseph interpreted their dreams accurately. And he said to the baker, uh, it's not good news, man. Um, your dream means that in three days, you're going to be executed. You're going to be executed, and that's exactly what happened. But he looked at the cupbearer, and he said, well, on the other hand, for you, in three days, Pharaoh's going to get you out of prison, and you're actually going to be reestablished into your former cupbearing position. So you're going to get your job back. And that's exactly what happened. But Joseph said, hey, listen, when you get out, could you do me a favor? Remember me? This is what he said. It's so clear. And please remember me, cupbearer dude. Do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh. Drop my name. 
so he might let me out of this place. And then he reminds him why. He probably told him before, for I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and I'm in this prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. Hey, cupbearer, when you're up there doing your pre-sipping, remember me. But watch what happened. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph. Never given him another thought. Man. I mean, I, wow, what a, what a kick in the gut. And for the next two years, not days, not weeks, not months, for the next two years, Joseph sat in prison Wondering what the heck, why am I here? What's going on? I don't deserve to be in here. God knows that. God, hello? Hello? All I've done is try to help people while I'm down here. I mean, I'm in prison, and I'm still trying to maximize the opportunity in the situation I'm in. Hello? Maybe at this point, Joseph's beginning to think. Maybe, maybe my brothers back home have had a change of heart. Maybe they've come clean with dad and they've told dad that they lied about me and they made up the whole thing and I'm, I, I'm not dead or maybe they don't know and maybe they're sending word to look for me. Maybe, maybe my brothers by this point are trying to find where I'm at or what happened to me. Maybe they'll find me. Maybe they'll discover me. Maybe on billboards back home or on the side of chariots or on camels. <laughs> That's the way I read the scriptures. Have you seen me? But no, nothing. Two years. Nothing. Meanwhile, as time passed, Pharaoh had a dream. A lot of dreams in this story. Pharaoh had a dream he didn't understand. I have no idea what this dream means. I don't know what's going on. I wish I understood my dream. Pharaoh's asking around, do you know, do you know, do you know? And eventually the cupbearer heard Pharaoh talking about a dream and he remembered the light came on. I mean, it's been a long time now, a couple years. Cupbearer's like, wait a second, wait a second. Hey, Pharaoh, there is this dude, and I don't know if he's still there. He may not even be alive. I'm not sure if he's still down there, but there was this guy named Joe. He, he interpreted one of my dreams, and it, it, he was right on. He was dead on. If he's still down there, you probably ought to see if he's down there and send somebody to get him and check it out. So that's exactly what happened. Pharaoh sent for Joseph. Joseph came up, listened to Pharaoh's dream. Let me summarize for you. He said, Pharaoh, I understand your dream. Here's what your dream means, Pharaoh. For the next seven years, the economy in Egypt is going to boom. Money's going to be good. Crops are going to be good. It's going to be a time where everybody is doing well and everything's going well. Go ahead, build pyramids. Make it. I mean, we're going to do great stuff. But on the heels of that seven years, there's going to be seven years of famine. But if somebody, I'm just Pharaoh, I'm just, I'm just telling you, just, I can see it in my mind. If, if you had the right guy, if somebody knew what they were doing, 
they could use these first seven years to get ready for the next seven years. And if you did things in such a way, Egypt could position itself to save this part of the world. And, and Pharaoh, if somebody's smart and if you know what you're doing, you could lead in the next seven years in such a way that when the next seven, the last seven years of famine hit, people would be flocking to Egypt by the droves and, and they would be thinking Egypt was great. And Pharaoh, they would think you're great. You could be a hero. Egypt could be a hero. Man, Pharaoh, I'm just telling you, here's an opportunity. And Pharaoh's like, well, well, dude, you got the plan. That's what Pharaoh told Joseph. Pharaoh said, since God has revealed to you the meaning of the dreams, clearly no one else is intelligent or as wise as you are. So you will be in charge of my court. And all my people will take their orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours, Joseph. Dun, 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 dun. Right? Yeah, finally, Joseph's getting his, man. This is the way it's supposed to be. Wait, 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 wait. We'll get there. We'll get there next week. We'll get there. Let's back up. But Joseph did not know that in prison. For that two years. At least two years, probably more, because he'd already been there a long time with the cupbearer and the baker, so no less than two, maybe closer to three or more years in prison. Joseph didn't know that it's going to work out like this. And he feels isolated, he feels forgotten. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're told the Lord was with Joseph, but I wonder if he felt that. I wonder if he saw that. Waiting, wondering, fighting off thoughts of despair and discouragement as any of us would. And maybe that's where you find yourself. You feel isolated and forgotten when it comes to your job or your, your finances or your marriage or your children or something with your family or, or maybe your health, your career, or with the amount of emotional anxiety you struggle with or the depression you face, you emotionally feel isolated and forgotten about. And I don't have friends and no one gets me and no one understands me and not even God is coming to my rescue. It's a very real feeling. But things are not as they seem when you feel that way. I want to give you some hope because there's something we can learn from this point of Joseph's story that eventually Joseph would learn. But he didn't know it yet. And you and I have the luxury of learning it now. Let me just give it to you. There's a lot. Here it is. The truth is, God may isolate you, but will never forget you because he's always with you. God may isolate you, but will never forget you because he's always with you. Now, there's a lot here, so let's begin to unpack this, break it down a little bit. God may isolate me? What? I mean, that, that just seems wrong to even suggest. It just feels ungodlike, right? That God would isolate me? What do you mean God would isolate me? That, I thought God was never supposed to do stuff like that. Now, hold on. This does not mean God in any way abandons you or leaves you all alone. However, God may take you and put you in an isolated place. God may put you on hold, put me on hold, while he works behind the scenes doing what only he can do. God often puts us on hold. 
while he works behind the scenes. He may isolate you. Say, I'm going to put you over here. I need to put you over here. I need to put you here and have you just stay here for a period of time while I do things that you can't see and you don't feel and maybe you don't understand. See, that's God's pattern. It's not new with you. It's not new with me. It's not new with us. God has always done things this way. Let me just give you quick examples. I wish I had time to unpack. This could be an entire series all by itself. But God isolated Moses for many years to help him clarify his calling. And then he got it clear that God wants me to go back to Egypt and lead the people of Israel in the Exodus. Many years it took to clarify his calling. God isolated Elijah, the prophet Elijah, for a period of time so that he could rest. Elijah was a hard driver. Go, 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 go. And God took him off of one of the greatest victories he ever experienced right into a time where Elijah actually said, I'm all alone. Nobody understands and nobody's with me. And God specifically allowed him to go into that situation to teach him how to rest. And to prepare him for what was next, because he was getting ready to kick up another notch, and he needed him to rest. King David, God isolated him during a period of his pre-king years to test his character. Isolated him in the backside of a cave to test his character, in reference to King Saul. Paul, the apostle, in the first century, God isolated him for three years to train him for his ministry. He just kind of like disappeared for three years. Nobody, whatever happened to that Saul guy? That guy was killing Christians? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where. And then he emerges three years later, ready to change the world as it was known then. And did you know, for 40 days, God isolated Jesus in the wilderness to help prepare him for the ministry and the mission that God had put him here to save the world. So this is God's pattern. God often puts us in a holding pattern while he works behind the scenes. And when it's all said and done, we have the luxury of being able to look back, even though we don't know it in the moment, we look back and say, I needed that. In fact, I am thankful for it. Here's what you need to know. Waiting time is never wasted time with God. Waiting time is never, ever, ever, ever wasted time with God. He put Joseph in the prison, even, even for something he didn't do. But he used that as an opportunity to get Joseph where Joseph needed to be while God worked on some things. So it's like God was saying, Joe, you just sit tight. Now, he didn't tell Joseph this, okay? So Joseph didn't know just like you don't know and I don't know in our own prison moments. We, we don't know. But it's like we have the luxury of saying, God was saying, Joe, you sit tight because I got some stuff that needs to happen. I'm going to get things ready for you. While you're here, you just sit tight. You're, I'm putting you in a holding pattern, okay? So do what you can. Make the most of the opportunity you have. Yes, they're in prison while I'm working on the next opportunity that you can't see and you don't know and you don't understand yet. One day you will, but just hold right there because I got to get this guy out and I got to get this guy out of prison, and, and, and then I've got to have Pharaoh have some dreams. Okay, Pharaoh needs to dream, and he needs to ask around. I need to do some things out here on the surface while you're down here in this hole thinking you're isolated and that you're forgotten and that nobody knows and nobody cares. God, I, I know, I know, I know, son. Just hold tight because I got to work on some stuff. See, when you're in a time of isolation, I want to challenge you to think 
preparation. When you are experiencing a time of isolation in your life, I want you to think the word preparation because God is preparing you for something. You may not see it, feel it, or know it. God is preparing other situations for you. He's preparing other people and other things and other moments ahead of you to get it ready for you. You know, we often think, we often, during times of isolation, instead of thinking preparation, we assume hibernation. We're going to a hole and we do nothing. We complain. And every now and then we emerge, yeah, nothing's different. We go back. Yeah, still don't have a job. No one's calling. And we go back. Yeah, marriage still not good. She still wants to leave. And we go back. Yeah, uh, still can't get a date. <laughs> yeah, no, still no different. Still not changing. See, that's our pattern. We want to go into hibernation, right? I hear it all the time. It sounds very spiritual. Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Just waiting on God. <sighs> sounds very spiritual. Now there's a time to wait. But, there, but there's stuff to do while you wait. You maximize the opportunity in front of you while you wait. That's what Joseph did. That's what Joseph did. So think preparation. God, how do you want to prepare me right now? Joseph maximized his situation while he was waiting for God to change his situation. That's huge. He maximized his situation while he was waiting for God to change his situation. He didn't choose a situation. He didn't want to be in prison, but while I'm here, I'm going to make the most of it while I'm waiting for you to get me the heck out of here. What would be different if you did that? How would life be different if you did that? Instead of going into hibernation and saying, oh, poor me. God's not doing anything for me. Just say, you know what, Lord, while, I, while I'm waiting for you to, choose, to do this, to change this, to fix this, to make this better, or to do something different, I'm going to do what I can. Because waiting time is never wasted time. God may isolate you. I know there's a lot there. Let's move on. But the good news is, even though he may isolate you, he will never, ever, never, ever forget you. And this is huge because we think we're forgotten. We feel forgotten because of God's apparent inactivity. So to us, we can't see what God's doing. We can't feel what God is doing. We can't understand what God is doing. So humanly speaking, we assume God ain't doing anything. Apparently, God is inactive. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with God? What's wrong with my situation? Because I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and nothing's changed. I'm done praying. I'm tired of praying. Have you ever gotten to the point where you're like so sick and tired of praying, you just stop praying? I've been there. Like if I had any more strength to pray, I would just say the same thing that I've been saying all along. So God, just rewind the tape because I have nothing more to say. And to make matters worse, isn't it interesting when you're in a time of isolation, you just happen to notice everybody else whose life is going very well. Thank you, Instagram. Thank you, social media. Right? That's what, it, right. And it's everybody you talk to. Oh, yeah, man, God, God's working in my life, and I know things are, man, I can see God's hands all over my life right now, man. And they, and they always you put the cherry on top, and I love this cherry on top. And God's good, man, God's good. God's good. God's good. And you're like, God's good. I think God's gone. I feel like God is gone. You ever felt like God is gone while everybody else is talking about how good God is? 
I mean, you look at your life and then you look at their life and you go, everyone else is getting out of prison. Everybody else is catching a break. Everybody else is going on with their life. Everybody else, everybody else is getting married. I can't get a date. Everybody else is getting a job and not just a job. They're getting the job they went to school to be trained for. They're actually starting their career and things are moving in their career. If I can barely get a job and the job I get is a job that I would never want and I didn't go to school for it, I didn't go to college and pay thousands of dollars to get a degree to do that. And now I'm having to do that because it's all I can do. Everybody else's career is taking off. Seems like everybody else's life is just moving in the right direction. Everybody else is finding purpose and, and living. I mean, because look, look, and that's all I hear. God is good, God is good, God is good. And yeah, he certainly is. More than you and I can imagine. Everybody else seems to be making money, and I'm not. Everybody else seems to be so happy, and I'm so miserable. Everybody else seems to be hopeful, and I'm depressed. Because you're in a prison moment. It feels like you've been forgotten. But wait, God may isolate you. But listen very carefully. He will never, ever, never, ever forget you because he is always with you. Always, always, always with you. And I know that for some of you, especially if you're not a church kind of person or you haven't been to church in a while, or maybe this is one of the reasons why you stopped going to church many years ago and it's just never been a God thing. You're just like, yeah, see, that doesn't help me because that doesn't change my life. You know, God is with me. Okay, tell me something that helps. Okay, I'm gonna tell you something that helps. God is always, always, always with you. No, 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 no. Tell me something that'll change my situation. Well, I can't tell you when your situation is going to change. I can just tell you who's with you while you're waiting for your situation to change. I mean, I could make up something. I, I could make up something that sounds real spiritual. I could make up something that would draw even bigger crowds. I could make up something to get everybody all hyped up and say, if you just believe, if you just have faith, and God will turn things around, and you will have victory, and everybody's like, ah! And to get all upset and everything, and then you go home to still bills unpaid. Nobody paid them while you were at church. You still go back to cancer treatments. You still go back to a husband that says, I'm still leaving you for her. You still go back to parents that won't speak to you. You still go back. And in the darkness of your room at night, struggle with anxiety and depression. So I, 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 could, I could do the Christian lines, okay? But why don't I just be honest and let you know that sometimes God's going to allow you to go through a time of isolation while he works behind the scenes on things you don't know about, you can't see, you can't feel, you can't understand. But he's not forgotten about you because he's always, always, always with you. Period. Even when it doesn't look like it, even when it doesn't feel like it. The point is, God will never isolate you from himself. Remember how we started this? The Lord was with Joseph in prison. The Lord was with Joseph in in prison. Sometime, I don't know how long ago it was, but somewhere along the way, we started teaching people that the way you know God is with you is when things start turning around and you get out of prison. No. I mean, that's great. That's great. But God wants you to know he's with you when things aren't great. Isn't it interesting when people, you know, that cherry on top I was talking about, and, and listen, God is so good. He is more good than you and I. He is gooder than you know, and he's gooder than I know. 
But isn't it interesting, people usually throw that around when they're describing something positive, right? I got a job, man. God's good. I got, she said, yes, God's good. The kids are going to college. God's good. Right? No one ever says, I got cancer. God's good. I lost my job. God's good. Why don't they do that? Because is God any less good when you go through periods of isolation? Is God any less good just because things aren't good for you? I mean, how self-centered is that? Now, see, here's the deal. Sometimes God may isolate you on purpose. But even then, he's working behind the scenes, and you're not forgotten because he's with you. Please hear me well. The reason this is so hard for us to accept is the reason it's because we just assume that it's always good. It's always good. It's always good. The presence of God is not the absence of problems, but the presence of problems is not the absence of God. Let me say it again. The presence of God does not mean the absence of problems, but the presence of problems, and you got them, and I got them, not the absence of God. He is with you in the prison moment. So how do I know? How do I know? How do I know? Well, first of all, he tells you. In his word, he makes it very clear. He says, I will never leave you. Never, ever, ever leave you. I will never forsake you. Never, ever. Doesn't matter what happens to you. I am with you. That's like a recurring theme throughout the scriptures. Old Testament, New Testament. I am always, always with you. God will also send other people into your life during that time of isolation. He will send people into your life to remind you of his love, to encourage you, and to help you. And sometimes it'll be a while. Some of you are in such a deep time of isolation, you don't feel like not only God has forgotten about you, you think other people have forgotten about you too. But still, God is not forgotten. He is with you. And God often sends other people to remind you of that. I can look back in key times of my life when I felt like God had forgotten all about me and the thing that reminded me that he had not was actually not a thing. It was a person, a someone. And if you're like me, and, and I want to be very careful not to be presumptuous here, and, and also be very careful because this can be one of those cliche things that Christians say and often misunderstood and misinterpreted. But one of the ways God lets me know that he's with me during times of isolation and prison moments, like when it feels like where I could have said, you know, see, God is not with me because I'm in prison. I'm going through this. Is that God has this way of bringing a sense of peace. Be careful with that, okay? But it's true. Just, just because it is misused doesn't mean it's not true. A sense of peace to settle me down, and I can't explain it. I really can't explain it, which is exactly what he told us in, in the New Testament that that would happen. He would give us a peace that's beyond understanding, that's beyond explanation, that you really can't put your finger on, and you can't really explain to other people. And when you try, they go, oh, that sounds dumb. That sounds lame. Yeah, right. But I'm just telling you, for me, and I think it will happen for you as well, a, a peace where I am at peace even though I am not in a peaceful situation. You can be at peace even though things around you are not peaceful. We often mistake the two. We often assume because things are a little chaotic that we have no peace. No, no, no. You can be at peace in here even though things are not peaceful around here. 
I don't know how God's gonna let you know that he's with you, but even if you can't see it, understand it, or feel it, his promise is true. He will never forget you. He's always with you. I know, I know some of you are thinking, I would think the same thing, and I do. Well, when is my situation gonna change like Joseph? When am I gonna get out of prison? I mean, when am I gonna get my big break? When are things gonna change for me? When, when, am I, when are things gonna turn around for me? And when is my Joseph story gonna take a turn like Joseph's story did? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how long your prison moment has lasted, and I don't know how long it's going to last. But I can tell you this. You're not forgotten. God cannot and will not forget you because he's always with you, even when you don't feel like it, even when it doesn't look like it. He is. And that should give you enough to maximize the opportunity in front of you, to do what you can, maximize what your situation, while you're waiting for God to change your situation. And know that he is with you. No matter what. And my prayer for you today is that you'll know it. You will know it. And that God will make it apparently clear to you. And maybe this message, this truth, Joseph's story is just what you needed to remind you. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for telling us this part of Joseph's story. You could have left this part out because it's kind of depressing and it's not, you know, it's not the kind of part that people get all excited about. But that prison part, for years, that's real. I don't know exactly what he was thinking or what he was feeling, but if he's human like us, and he was, he had to have been wondering where you were, what you were up to, and had you just forgotten. I mean, every time it looked up for him, things got worse than before. And I know there are people here like that, God. You know. You know their situations more than I do. And in this room and across all locations and even people watching online from wherever they're watching from in America or the world, you know each prison moment. You know each situation. May they know that while they're in a holding pattern of isolation, you're working behind the scenes. You never stop and you're getting them ready, and you're getting things ready, and you're getting other people ready, and you are maximizing things they can't see, we can't see, to help us to do what we can while we're waiting on you to do what only you can. Help us to maximize our situation while we're waiting on you to change it. And may we remember, we're not forgotten. You're always with us. We are not forgotten. You are always with us. You hold your arms out open wide to us to run to you with our questions and in our fear and in our frustrations in our prison moments so we come to you in Jesus name